Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King, and welcome to another very special edition of the Esports Gambling Hour. We've really got to change the name of this podcast. We've got to work on this because we're not talking about gambling at all today, as we haven't in the last couple ones we've had. Instead, we're going to talk about IEM San Jose. It just wrapped up uh, on Sunday. Uh, that would be the 22nd of November for those of you who are listening to this at a later point in time. It was yesterday for Walter and I. We took some time. We let it digest. And now we're ready to talk about it. Walter, how are you doing, man? I would like to personally apologize to all of our all of our fans. We're having some technical difficulties here. Uh, so we're going to go back to the desk. We're going to listen to Monty and, and St. Vicious and Crepo talk about uh, Bard some more mm-hmm. because obviously that's way more important. And, you know, there's just some, there's just some audio issue happening on stage. Uh, we're going to go back. We're going to get some words from our sponsors in. And, you know, you guys can go do your laundry. You can take a shower. You can make, you know, a, a, nice, a nice creme brulee. And when you get back, don't worry, we'll just be getting into picks and bands. So stay tuned with us here at IEM San Jose. We'll be right back, guys. All right, we're going to head to commercial. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. See, I'm glad you did that because I was trying to think of like how I was going to work in a, you know, maybe we should pause for like 10 minutes after <laughs> every single segment just to recreate the experience. I, I really, I regret ever saying anything negative about the Riot World Championships now. Because to me, it was like, oh, well, you know, just having a technically competent tournament, that should be just, you know, the rule, right? And here's IEM. They've done this for 10 years. 10 years, ESL. 10 years. You can't get a tournament to run without technical difficulties at almost every game. It, it, it really, you know, this was an underwhelming tournament for a lot of reasons. But if it feels as underwhelming as it does, I think we can almost purely put that blame on the shoulders of so, technical issue after technical issue. So there were probably issue. like three or four different posts on like Reddit about IEM. Why so many delays? IEM, like what's the time difference between everything? And then there are a lot of people saying, this is why Riot is so amazing about, you know, their production quality and all this stuff. I'm still in the boat that IPL5 was the greatest tournament of all time. <laughs> and no one, no one can ever convince me otherwise. Like, someone posted it on Twitter. I'm like, I don't know what you're smoking because IP... Like, it's literally the Kanye joke. Like, I'm gonna let you finish, but hang on. IPL5 was the greatest League of Legends tournament of all time. Drop the mic. I'm out of here. Find me $15,000. I don't care. I was gonna say, if Cuban was the one dropping the mic, he'd bring an entire woman down with him while he did it, which, you know, (laughs) it's an interesting variation on the move. I gotta be honest with you. I I guess, should we just start there? Like, how awesome was Cuban? Can we just agree that this was, like, Cuban did more for his team, did more for his team in that game than Stixay did in the first two rounds of the tournament. Oh! Oh, that's not, that's not nice. That's not, it's true. (laughs) It's true. See, he did for, more for his team in that one game than Stixay did in the first four games he played in the tournament. Enough said. That's- I mean, I don't know. I personally enjoyed watching Mark Cuban slowly saunter up, like, well behind the rest of his teammates, and then throw a bouncing bomb, like, ten seconds after everyone had already died, just kind of plopping right behind everything. I thought it was really beautiful, almost. Well, uh, you know... Look, he's played League of Legends like three times. It's five-dimensional chess against the world. It's a hard thing to wrap your head around <laughs> after only a few plays. But he realized, he, first of all, he did, he did two things that were really smart. One is that he realized that he was going to be terrible. So I'm just going to stay behind my team and just not die. And we have a Katarina on our team. So Voiboy is just going to get all the kills. It's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. As long as I don't feed, we will be fine. And he didn't feed. So congrats to him. He did get a kill. Uh, Kranich got a kill as well, so, you know, yep. congrats to both of them for that. They can say that they've taken down a pro player now. Um, he could put that on his resume right, uh, right below owning the Mavs and right above Shark Tank, I think, in terms of, you know, successes in his life, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but the other thing he did really well, and this just goes to show, like, what a real businessman is going to do when faced up against an amateur uh, interviewer, which, for the record, let's let's call her what she is. She is amateur. Uh, whoa, 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 She is not an amateur interviewer. She sure did not seem like a, a particularly uh, well-researched one. The e-gamers? Not, the e-gamers, yeah. Walter? Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. There, there's, there's the difference right there. Yeah, she's actually a very good interviewer in terms of, in terms of sports. But this is where I'm going to bring up a tweet that's, that Slasher just sent out 
a few minutes ago uh, that basically is a, a clip to a YouTube video. And this is Slasher, who a lot of people, you know, argue is pretty influential in esports journalism. Today's At The Herd has Kristen Hay proclaiming she's now, now, she's now officially a nerd after hosting IEM, You Go E-Game Girl, and then a link to the YouTube video that I didn't watch. This is my problem with pandering to, like, making esports mainstream. Right there. Now she's a nerd. Yeah. Now that she's hosted it, she's a nerd. Given the fact that she was, like, defending this against Colin Cowherd in the past, she's a huge, like, WWE fan, but, like, now you're a nerd? Like, come on. We, like, look, she did good. I'm not arguing that, but, like, seriously, guys, that? can we just stick with, like, can we actually just stick with people who are part of esports, please? Like, can we stop pandering to all these other people, please, I for th- God's sake? I'm uh, I'm gonna go in the camp with a uh, river from Esports PD on this. I don't think she was particularly good. I thought she was pretty, you know, which I think is why she got, you know, that a lot of people who were saying things about her. That was the number one compliment that I saw thrown around there, and you know, congrats to her for that. But she didn't seem to demonstrate any knowledge. The only buzz, you know, she had a lot of buzzwords that she'd clearly prepared, but there weren't. It didn't flow particularly well. You compare an interview she did with an interview that like Shocks would do. Mm-hmm. And it's just a whole nother level. And Mark Cuban's interview, I think, was where that really came to light because Mark Cuban just basically maneuvered around everything she said and did and owned that interview. I mean, yes. for, you know, going to the literally mic dropping twice because the first time she wouldn't let him do it. And the way that he, you know, he brought up the Colin Cowherd point completely on, uh, you know, unprompted. And he basically, he had his things he was going to say, and he was going to say them, you know, as eloquently as he usually does. And with all the bombast that we love Mark Cuban for, if yeah. you're an NBA fan, I mean, he was brilliant. And when you put him compared to her, that's, it, it was, it was just a really funny kind of a kind of power thing there. You could tell which one of them really knew what they were doing and which one was just kind of beyond her depth, I would say in this yeah. particular realm, which, you know, Whatever. I don't I don't mind in theory people who are newer to esports trying to get in and trying to take some of these opportunities, but present yourself as you are. You're allowed to say you're an outsider, guys. It's it's fine. We're not gonna rake you over the coals like you know, like the nineteen eighties if you didn't you know, you know, because gaming was so insular back then. We understand new people are coming in, we want new people to come in. Just say you're an outsider. Don't try to Pretend like you know what you're doing when you call people e-gamers. Like, there's there's a way to do it. Um, speaking of people who didn't show up the way that I think a lot of people were expecting, LGD, man, you get to hold this one over Tim and I from our preview podcast. That that did not go well, I think, is, is a safe thing to say. What were your thoughts other than how proud you were of TSM at this moment uh, when you were watching the series? Oh, TBQ and God V are the biggest, biggest, uh, oh God, what was the word that I used? They hold this team back so much. What was the word I used? They're so disappointing. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember the proper word that I used because it was a great word. But yeah, they're, they're huge, huge problems for this team. I, I don't think either of them are very good. I think they both had good moments. But the second teams realized they could just ban TBQ's champion pool out. And granted, he got Rek'Sai both games that they played against TSM, which was his second champion behind Lee Sin. He did very well. Uh, but outside of that, like, Godvi had an okay cast in game. Victor was lackluster. Like, I, I thought coming to this series, this series that the two of them were... were they, weren't, they weren't good. They're, they're, they're lackluster. lackluster. They're lackluster. They're detrimental. They're detrimental to this team's success. And I will stand by that 100%. I don't think either of these players are on this team going into the spring split. Well, I'm going to put it like this. I can't say who told me this because this was off the record. But basically, I've I've been made aware now that a lot of LGD hates each other. Like three of the members of that team... And you can probably guess which ones, you know, based on the ones who didn't perform very well. Two of those three were just mentioned by Walter. 
hate each other, like to the point of not wanting to, to talk to each other, to the point where they're they're thinking about splitting up afterwards. And there's so many different developments. And of course, everything in China is crazy and who knows what's real and what's fabricated and all this stuff. I'm not claiming that I have any answers. But I can tell you that if you had told me as a gambling man, as someone who you know puts a lot of stock into these power rankings, oh, by the way, there are all these stories about players hating each other, other players wanting to leave, uh, specific players getting raises and other players getting feeling some animosity towards that. All these rumors from various places that I am hearing now, if you told me that then, I probably don't pick them to win the tournament. As soon as I learned that it's winged and not chasers I, coming in for Jeanette. I, I mean, it, I don't think any of that matters. I think prior to here, prior to you telling me that, I still didn't think I still had LGD losing to TSM. Well, I just yeah. it came down to whether you believed that they were going to fix the problems they showed at Worlds because the last two games at Worlds were really good. Um, what they did when they won China was really good. There's, you know, the talent on this team. You have MP as the best AD carry in the world. I still believe that. Didn't look like it this series, you know. But he didn't, you know, it's not like Double Lift was going crazy either. There were fights uh, in the... Well, <laughs> we're, yeah, double Lift was going crazy in a different way. Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. But, you know, he, they had some fights. They had that 5v2 fight in the top lane. You know, the, the problem was, you know, TBQ did nothing to help Flame or Acorn out early. Acorn was terrible in Game 2, for the record. I have no idea what happened to him. He just looked atrocious. Uh, TBQ wasn't helping anywhere. Godvi, I mean, I, I actually liked him in Game 1. I did not like him very much in Game 2, but I thought his Game 1 was was fine. I don't think he was the problem with that team. But they just, I mean, that's just it. They did not operate as a team. They did not play like the team that they played, like, when they won China and all of the behind the scenes issues, rumors that I'm now hearing, like all of that makes so much sense. I think that was fully on display and maybe you didn't believe it because you thought, you know, you saw it at worlds and it was already, I'm sure getting there at worlds, but whatever it is now, I mean, this is a whole nother level of deterioration, especially after what we saw from TSM later in this tournament. Yeah, I I mean it doesn't surprise me that there's behind the scenes issues. I like I said on the the Power Rankings podcast, there was stuff that I saw at Worlds and just the cohesion that I didn't think at mu- that much had changed to make up for the deficiencies that both Godvi and uh and TBQ have. So, at the end of the day, I feel vindicated about that. I don't feel vindicated about other things, but uh you know, hey, I'll I'll take this one as a win. Yeah, you know, you, you, you're going to miss some shots every once in a while, but you're going to take that as a victory. Uh, you know who else is going to take away some victories from this tournament? Counterlogic Gaming. Uh, specifically, they get their first victory over the Unicorns of Love. Walter, when you watched this series, were you more impressed by what CLG was able to do here, or were you more concerned about what we saw from the Unicorns of Love? The Unicorns of Love looked like a team that had only been playing together for four days. <laughs> Just outright looked like they'd only been playing together for four days. Um, with the news coming out today about Fnatic, they could be a top half of the table team in oh, Europe. Oh God! Don't tell! Don't tell me that. Not after top those picks and bans. I, I oh, their picks and bans were atrocious. But I again, they've been together for what four, five days. I I'll cut I'll cut them some slack there. Just like I guess I will cut TSM some slack on their pick ban phase, even though they're. I I think there's one very egregious flaw with that one. Um, but I, Unicorns of Love had zero expectations coming into this. I think Fox played okay. I think Steelbeck played okay. Gilius did everything that we expected of Gilius, which is he has a couple of really awesome plays where you're like, holy crud, Lisa and God. And then he has a couple of plays where you're like, okay, well, I don't know why you're even a professional. Uh, I gotta uh, be honest. I have more questions about Gilius than you do. I've I've seen Gilius a lot in the challenger scene. Obviously, uh, at Imperial, you know, we have our own Turkish challenger team. We've had him play for us back when we were MYM. Uh, he wasn't all that great against Turkish challenger players and against European challenger players. I don't I, think he's a good player. I just actively think he might have one good play in him every game, but like five or six bad ones. And I think he was exposed in a huge way here. Now, granted, Xmithy actually looked decent in this tournament. I'm not going to say great. He looked good. 
Good is a huge improvement for X Smithy. I'm happy with good. I will take good if I am a CLG fan right now. But this was, I mean, Gilius looked awful. Uh, Visichachi did not look great. Hillisang I, looked no awful. No one looked good. I mean, I, I'll say this. I think Steelback of the five looked good. I think Steelback on a better team does a lot of cool stuff. I'm oh, very worried yeah. that this is the team he's stranded on. Yeah, I was. I said it to you on Skype, or did I tweet it? That I said it to you on Skype. I'm very scared that Steelback went from Fnatic this huge, like, he's going to have this great career ahead of him, like, he has all this potential, and he's like that person, he's like that person, that, like, first-round draft pick that gets drafted, plays one year for a team as a backup, then gets traded for no inexplicable reason, and then, you know, just, like, dies on the 76ers. Yeah. Like, he's playing a lot, like, he's he's a starter, but just because there's no talent around him, his career just dies. And that is very likely the problem here. I didn't think Vizichachi was really a good top laner last year. I am very surprised that he's still on this team. Hillisan was kind of a middle-of-the-pack support to me. And then Gilius wasn't even in the LCS. He was playing in Turkish Challenger, apparently, and Fox <laughs> got relegated. So you're basically telling me Steelback has to singly carry this team on his back, and I don't think he's talented enough to do it yet. I, I do want to make it clear just for, for anyone listening at home. Gilius came in as a substitute for us. We were not able to field a full team without him. So he came in uh, just for that one tournament against a team, uh, a tournament that had Turkish and European challenger teams. I'm not, he was not oh, okay. in a fully Turkish league. He was doing this in this one particular tournament because we couldn't field a full roster. Okay. Well, uh, and he was playing in other EU challenger series before that. None of it was good is what I was trying to get out yeah. of there. It's, oh, okay. Uh, okay. He's been subpar and i you know i i've now obviously i've had that little bit of experience working with him i think he's matured a little bit from what we saw from him when he was the guy that unicorns of love were racing to cut after uh you know they finally made it into the lcs there's a reason that they did that i think he's better than that now i just don't think he's i don't think he's an lcs player and the I, worry I have, you know, my bigger worry with this team is that I don't think Sheepy is a coach. I, actually, I was going to say that could raise full players, but I'm just going to say full stop. I don't think Sheepy is a coach. I think Sheepy is a friend that got asked to do this for this Unicorns of Love team that was never supposed to make it in the LCS. And they've kept him there for a year now, and they're keeping him there now. And more and more, we're seeing, like, he just doesn't know what to do in picks and bans. And ever since Kick has left, and they lost that weird jungle kind of thing they could do. And Vivisachi's had to play straight up top laners. Like, it doesn't work. And I don't know. I, I don't know how you get better with him as your coach. I don't. I haven't seen anything from him as far as developing talent, as far as, you know, coming up with new strategies outside of just weird pocket picks. Like, he hasn't innovated anything since the end of the spring season. And I'm concerned that they don't have a long-term plan. And this, this is an organization to me that is in over its head, hmm. like, uh, like Copenhagen Wolves back in like season three. But the rest of the league, like they had a talented enough team to keep them in the LCS. I am not sure if that, I think that it's going to be the same problem where they're a talented enough team that they're not going to get relegated. They're going I think to... this organization is going to be kind of stuck in this position where there's, there's really no management structure. Their talent is okay, but they're like, you know, now they're going to be like consistently like eight to se- like eight to six in the LCS, which is great. That's fine. If that's, you know, you're just collecting a paycheck, but I would not see this organization being super, super successful again at all. I, I don't see it. I don't think that they're ever going to be making some run where we're talking about them as, you know, a top three team in Europe or potentially making worlds or anything like that. Yeah. They're going to be a middle of the road European team. And, and again, like that's still a professional team. I, I, I think that, you know, for everything I'm saying, I'm saying it because I think there is some talent here that in the right system with a good coach could become something more than that. And I don't think we are going to see it here with Sheepy as the coach 
and you know, and and the structure as it's been in the last year or so. I think there need to be changes. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like they're going to make them. Now, I, I'm going to just let you take over this uh, Orihen Team Solo mid game, Walter, because oh you had a lot of very strong words on Skype and on Twitter, and I want to oh know, God. like, have are, have you calmed down? Are you okay? Did did you get a hug? Because I think you really needed a hug and a beer yesterday after I, those games. I mean, I calmed down. I'm still uh, I'm still pretty incensed. I'm still pretty pissed off. I think that uh, I think I think I got baited by that like game one shellacking that they put down on on LGD, and I read a little bit too much into LGD. But I'm gonna sidebar here for a moment. Double lift. I know you of all people are one of the few people who actually listen to our podcast. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you directly for a second. I'm going to pull a Jon Stewart here, and I'm going to ignore everyone else. I'm going to talk to you, man. And I've got one question for you. Just, just one. Do you even care? Like, like do you actually even care? Because like, here's the thing for me. You played that Orion series. Like, it didn't matter what happened. Like, you were fine, you were chilling, you're like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, you played like I do when I'm in a ranked game and my team is down 16-2. to two. We've got, you know, all three inhibitors pushing, and I just get to the point where I'm just like, $5,000 fine it. $5,000 fine it. And I'm playing Sejuani, and I'm like, I'm going to build a Rabdins, and I'm just going to flash alt people, and I'm going to try and kill everyone on the enemy team. Like, that's how you're playing. You were playing like this with solo queue and like gold two. And the rest of your team had just, you know, screwed up, and the game was over, and you're just like, eh, I'm going to go for stats. I don't want you on my team if that's what you're going to do all season, man. I, if that's how you're going to play all season, I don't want you. And I get that you guys have been playing for four or five days together, and you're still meshing, you're still trying to figure out who's the shot caller, who's the veteran, you know, who's the leadership. You have been in the LCS League of Legends scene longer than any of these other players. You are the longest tenured player on that team. You are longer tenured than either of those coaches in that organization. You are supposed to be the veteran leadership on that team. You were playing like a rookie. You were playing like nothing mattered. All you cared about was getting your 30 points and your 15 rebounds, having your double-double, and that's all you cared about. Quit the attitude. Quit the ego. Focus on actually winning games. That's what pissed me off, was that you seemed like I don't care about a win or a loss. I just am going to get mine. That is not going to win you a world championship. And I know that is why you joined this organization. And I know that's why you joined up with Bjergsen. So cut the crap. Week one of the LCS, I better see team player double lift, not CLG double lift. Rant over. Drop the mic. First of all, uh, that might be the greatest rant in the history of this podcast. I'm throwing it out there as a Hall of Fame quality rant. I I understand everything you're coming from. I was going to say the one thing that genuinely concerned me about this team was Doublelift. He did not look good. He didn't look good when he was playing passively. He certainly didn't look good when he was rocket jumping into three guys for no reason. And you're right. That that was for stats. That was the game's over. I don't care. Let's see what crazy thing I could do so I could get Reddit talking about my highlight reel. And you know what? For a tournament like IEM San Jose, I almost get it. You guys have practiced for four days. Origin's going to beat you. I get it. I get how you get yourself to that spot. But that's not what it means to be a professional. You can do that all you want in scrims. You know, we saw the the pictures of the all chat between these guys and they were joking around. Ha ha ha. Yeah, it's all, all well and good. But, you know, fans... Fans are paying for your jersey. Fans are are watching your every move. This is the this is the biggest player transaction possibly in North American League of Legends history. Just no, in terms of, of the weight and the scope and and what it means for these organizations and the history of how this all goes. And you've got all that on your shoulders and you're you're goofing around and you're not making smart plays and you're not playing like the guy who just got, you know, shafted from the MVP award. This past split. Because you were, by all accounts, the best player in North America as far as your stats goes. I, I you know, I, I have arguments for other players. Your stats were insane. You deserve a lot of credit for everything you did last split. But man, oh man, when I hear interviews with guys like Aframu saying, 
You know, now the double lift's gone. We get to play different types of strategies and different kinds of compositions. And we see what that does for them. And we see TSM. I mean, they played a protect the double lift comp. We saw that. That happened. Like, I I don't... I'm concerned. I'm genuinely concerned that there's a mentality and a way that you have to play with this guy to keep him happy, to keep him feeling successful that is detrimental in in some ways. And it doesn't mean you can't win North America that way because CLG did last split. But it's a concern to me, especially if we have this new coach who's trying to push a system, you know, and, and a coach that still needs to earn some respect and and get these players all on board, and you've got all these moving pieces. There's a lot that has to fall right. And Doublelift did not play like a guy who wants to step in line. So I'm going to say something very, very damning about TSM. Okay. You could, have, you could have blocked out the usernames of everyone other than Bjergsen, and I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference between the team that played at IEM and the team that played at Worlds. That's fair. No, you can't. Could not tell any difference between the two of them, and that's what scares me right now. Well, is that there has been no fundamental shift, which they were hinting at, which Reggie was hinting at in the you know the introduction to all the player video. There has been no fundamental shift in the identity of this roster. Well, well let me and flip that on its head for a bit because Federn made the same point on Twitter, and this is, I guess, my response to that. If they look no different than a team that played together for a full split after only four days of practice, that's a really good sign as to the talent you have on your team. They were basically able to replicate an entire year's worth of effort in four days. I take that. I take that to the bank. I understand that it's not you know what you want to see at a tournament if you're a TSM fan, but you can improve on this. This is your baseline. Your baseline is block out the names and it's the same team that we had. Awesome. You get to improve from here. There was no ceiling with the guys that you had left. Iris had played for too long. He was he was who he was going to be. Uh, Wild Turtle had shown an inability to take that next step. Doublelift potentially can if he gets his head on straight. Causing is a guy that you and I both know is still in need of taking that next step. Now we have a whole month or two to do it. He Absolutely. could be better than that. I mean, the the question is, and this is this is why I mentioned Doublelift is the one thing that really concerns me about this team is the next step is really promising for TSM if they take it. Yeah. Double lift is not a guy that historically has taken a lot of steps forward in that way. That's never been his MO. I yeah, mean, that's not what teams, that's not what players talk about when they talk about their experience no, with him. That's, that's very true. But, and, and this isn't a defense of him. This is, this is probably a fault of him that his entire career He's already like the the jump that he took from when he came in after like a two or three tournaments with Chouster as his support was so like huge. Mm. His ascension was from like this rookie no one cared about to all of a sudden he might be the best AD carry in the world. And I can see how it's very hard for him with this, you know, this ego, this being told you're the best, you're the greatest, you're, you know, you're double lift, you're this, you're that. We're going to build our entire strategy around you. I can see how it's difficult to take any substantial step beyond that. But he's got to figure it out. He's got to figure out what this, you know, minuscule little step is he needs to take to get to that next level, to get to this level where, you know, you're, you're, you're that tier below God. You're that tier below the fakers, the the uh, the Wei Zhao's of of you know the Mayazas, the toy like that kind of echelon. Because I don't think he's even I don't think he's at the spot below that echelon. I think he's still down a substantial amount because he hasn't had these tur- you know international tournament successes. And this tournament would have been a great second international tournament to really start saying, okay, now I'm running with the big boys. Now you guys need to. You know, we're going to win this tournament, and then you guys are going to be spending all year talking about, damn, I can't wait to see double lift at, you know, at IEM, you know, IEM uh, Katowice, or I can't wait to see him at, you know, you know, at, at the midseason invitational. Now, like, people are just going to be like, oh, I just can't wait to see double lift against Sneaky. And that was the wrong message coming out of this at, for me as a diehard five year long TSM fan. That's, that's not the message I wanted. 
Well, I wanted the message of, no, we're here. We're going to actually like compete against international teams. Considering that all the teams at this tournament, like only Orient was at, it, it should be considered at the top of their region. And, and this is where I think your, your point on the podcast, this was the one place on our preview pod where we ended up finding out, you know, it, does pure talent do it? No, it doesn't. Like they'd only had four days to practice. Clearly there are a lot of things that need to get fixed. Clearly there were a lot of problems. There are pick and ban problems that this team had, oh. especially in game two against origin. I don't know why oh, we keep putting Bjergsen on support mid laners. There's no reason for that. Uh, yeah. I understand that you have double lift, but you have Bjergsen. Bjergsen is the best player in the West. Use Bjergsen. I don't care. Figure it out. Yep. Um, you know, but but these things can be fixed. Uh, the key is the mental stuff, and the reason that we've spent ten minutes on this is because Double Lift historically <laughs> has not done the mental stuff well, and that's that's where your rant comes from at the beginning. Everything else yes. can be fixed. Hauntzer is going to be a fine laner. He showed some potential in that against Flame. Uh, he had some struggles against Soaz, but Soaz went ham that entire tournament. I'm okay with that. I'm okay yep. with how Hauntzer played. I'm okay with how. Uh, you know, with how Sven Skarin played for the most part. He can't play Kindred, which is a concern. But, you know, newer champion, not a lot of time playing with the team. He can learn yeah. that. He can exp- he can spend, you know, the season, you know, expanding his pool, getting more support-oriented junglers that can help out these other hard carries that he has on this team. I would, I would, I would like to bring up one, one issue, though, I see with, with Sven Skarin that scares me because this is a a identity hasn't changed. He averaged three quarters of a kill a game over four games. That scares me because that's not what we were expecting from him. No, that's not great. We're going to move on because we've spent 12 minutes on this, which is about eight minutes too long (laughs) on a team that has only played together for four days. We spent more, the days practiced per minute spent on a podcast. (laughs) That ratio is just wildly (laughs) off here. But uh, the Shinair Crane Wings... Speaking of wildly off, you and I both had them as the number one team. I then panicked when I heard that Winged was playing instead of Chaser and made LGD my number one team. So really, I just was terrible at making choices across the board. It's okay. Winged had the highest KDA in the entire tournament. I know. That worries me. (laughs) I don't take that as a positive, really, at the end of the day. Played two games, had a 7.0 KDA. What more do you want from him? Uh... Meaningful KDA, I guess is the way I put it. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Jenner really failed to do anything meaningful. When you, when you watch this team, I mean, the, the stats don't look bad. They didn't get crushed the way that some of these other teams did. But how did you leave this tournament feeling about the Jenner Greenwicks? They're a young team. They need time to mesh. They lost to a veteran team that knows how to rotate. Are we going to call Huhi and Stixay a veteran team? I'm, no, Zion, whoever was shot calling that game, which I'm going to assume was either Zion, Spartan, X Smithy, or Afromu, had fantastic shot calling. Yeah. The the cojones the, the it was taking to tell Darshan, who I'm going to keep calling Zion, I'm going to like go half and half for the rest of the season, he's either Zion or Darshan, hmm. uh, of Jax, of just like, no, we're just going to pull them towards Barrett and we're going to let Darshan do Jax things. It was fantastic. They never, like, Jin Air panicked. Jin Air mm. could not deal with the Jacks, and they panicked. And they kept, you know, they kept sending Rek'Sai to try and stop this Jax. Like, good luck with that. You know, Rise can't deal with it. And it just, ugh. Man, they got, they got baited into the, the Jax. And the Jax was a beautiful pick. Perfect pick by, by CounterLogic Gaming. And they played around it. They pulled Jin Air around the map and let Jax do Jax things. So... Yeah, whoever was the shot caller is the MVP of that series to me. Well, that and, and Zix's picks and bans, I thought were were beautiful for that reason. He's he's making use of his Darshan. I've been telling them to do this for a year. I I was you know I've obviously I, I've told this story before. Darshan is the reason that I got into competitive League of Legends seriously. Like he was my favorite top laner. Uh, I loved watching him on Team Dynamic. I loved watching him on Good Game University. I lamented the fall of Team Coast for that very reason because he spent two splits. Split pushing like crazy, desperately trying to make this team not terrible. And he succeeded for a while until, you know, in, in, until they fell out. And ever since then, I'm like, guys, he is a split pushing god. Use him. Let him play Jax. Let him play Nasus. Let him play whatever it is. And just force teams to deal with it. And this is, you know, a lot of things fell into place. This is the perfect meta for it. 
But what you know, talking, making this more about Jyn Air for a second, because I, I really think it's worth yeah. bringing this up. Yes, this is a young team, but Wingden and Kuzan had some LCK games under their belt. You know, I think it was funny. Freak made a comment about how, oh yeah, Kuzan's so green, he's only played nine games. I'm like, the LCS is 18. Like, I'm not <laughs> sure. Like, are we only that green now? Like, let's have a split if you played in North America. Let's let's put things in perspective here. But you know, but then wouldn't nine games against like Faker and and Coco be worth like thirty games in North America? That's kind of my point. Like, but it, it's <laughs> it's this weird. Kind it's of nine thing. games in the most you know most competitive division of League of Legends in the world. Like, let's be honest. And and this is my thing though. Jenner played like the exact same team we've seen them be for their entire time in the LCK. As long as they haven't existed as an organization, they've had two fatal flaws. Fatal flaw number one, they constantly change up their roster, and it hurts them. And we're seeing now, this is the first time they've stuck to anything for more than two tournaments in a row. And I'm just waiting for Jenner to panic and switch something out because that's what Jenner does, especially because the Korean free agency period hasn't even really started. They were waiting until after the Kespa Cup. So why Jenner mess with this? instead of taking what they did here and learn from it, because that's something Jenner always does. But the second thing that has always hurt Jenner, and you said this on Skype to me, I think we both tweeted about it, Jenner has no idea how to close a game. None. None whatsoever. They were winning at the 25-minute mark pretty handily. They'd gotten some inner towers, they'd had some big fights, they had a a three-dragon lead. You know, even at the 30-minute mark, they were pretty solidly ahead and then CLG gets this Baron, you know, congratulations, but, you know, Jenner gets a 3-0 fight, it's okay. And then there's the fight in the mid lane, and then that goes CLG's way, and now suddenly CLG has an inhibitor. You know, the Green Wings get a Dragon, but then, guess what? Another inhibitor, uh, you know, that, that's when they get the actual inhibitor rather than just the inhibitor tower, because <laughs> the split push is brilliant. Uh, Darshan just continues to split push and split push and split push and get these inhibitors. And even when Jenner got five dragons, it didn't matter because split push, split push, split push, and they had no answer. Yeah. Like it's a Jax. They've played Jax before. Like if you're a League of Legends player, you probably played nothing but Jaxes for the first like 20 levels of your League of Legends experience because he's easy to play and he split pushes like crazy and low-level players love to play him. You have to know that this is CLG's win condition, and they had no answer. And they had no answer in Game 2 either, by the way, which saw Kindred, Callista, and Kragus on the same team, because why not? Like, this was a, a, mid, a mid-lane Kindred, and Kuzan had no answer. He had no way how to lane. He had no way of, of getting the the kills and the, and the plays that they needed. And even as pilot was firing off brilliant Ash arrow after brilliant Ash arrow. And he was the one guy in this team, by the way, who looked truly good. Um, I mean, so had no answer to anything that, uh, Darshan was doing. I, I think that, you know, Kuzan was underwhelming. I think winged, you know, his KDA is great, but that's more because he didn't die very often more than he was, yeah. Constantly getting all these great plays. I this is a problem. If you you know, you can play, you know, the late game CLGEU style, but that requires you to understand how to close. And they yeah. don't. And CLG took full advantage of that. I'm I, like talent wise, I think Jin Air was the better team. I think in most of these fights, especially in the early to mid game, they were the better team. CLG just out rotated them. Agreed. So, and that's that's disappointing from a Korean organization that's been doing this for three years now and still has no answer to these kinds of problems. I, mean, I would, I would agree with you there. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd agree. It, so, I guess my question to you before we move on is: Is there anything that you could see the Genere organization doing to finally put a stop to this? Because it doesn't look like they found the answer yet. What do you want to see from them this offseason? Uh, I would like to see some consistency. I would like to see them kind of stick with this. If they're going to go with Chaser over Winged, or if they're going to go with Winged over Chaser, stick with that plan. And just let the... I mean, Kuzan and Shawan are young players. They're young. They they showed quite a bit of talent here, I think. And you just need to build on that. Realize that a lot of the other Korean teams are going through some... Uh, all other Korean teams are going through a change of some sort. And just, you know, trust in your system and trust that you're going to be able to teach these guys how to actually shot call and close games. 
I think that's the the biggest point that needs to be made here. Yeah, is that they need to learn how to actually close games and not just you know they can't rely on GBM and and, and Chaser to you know sit back and and farm up and make the right decisions. Now you need your young guys to learn it, and maybe it's a you know they they off and on will have you know they'll be alternating winged and chaser kind of an easy hoon you know faker situation so wing can learn how to do it maybe it'll be they just play all five games with winged and chaser is going to be going over you know every single vod with him and saying this you know this is what you should be doing here this is what your jungle pass should be etc etc so i want to, i want to see them stick with this roster and actually train up these young players i want to see if chaser is actually injured or if we're about to see him sign with another organization because we had we didn't see him play here. I don't see any reason not to start him, just given his talent level and you know he's still got a lot to offer to a team. I I have a feeling he's gone, which is why they're playing winged. That's that's my theory. I understand that there's an injury. He said something about his wrist, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm just saying that I think it's rather convenient that he happens to have an injury right before an off season. When there are a couple places that are rumoring are very interested in signing him away, and we've already seen this organization isn't willing to pay all that much to keep hold of their stars because otherwise GBM would still be there. Mm. I'm I'm just saying there are a few a few variables coming into play all at once, and I find that a little interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's move on. Uh, CLG lost in the finals here. Uh, I mean. We got to feel pretty good about. You feel like you're a CLG fan. You feel pretty good about this tournament, right? I mean, what do yeah. you take away here at the end of the day? Uh, da- Darshan ex- Darshan looked amazing mm. in this top lane carry meta. I'm a little anxious to see exactly how the professional meta shakes out now. Once the once the new season hits and we go through all these preseason changes, I think it's it definitely right now still sits in kind of a split push meta, which fits perfectly with him. So that's great. Hopefully none of the patches shift top lane to playing tanks, because then we'll see a decline in Darshan's talent. But I think right now how the meta looks like it's going, Darshan is in a great place. Xsmithy played much better than I expected. And I think Xsmithy is horrible, and I thought he was washed up and they should have replaced him. But he looked he looked like an actual juggler. He sort of looked like, like he did back when XDG made it to Worlds. Yeah, I'm kind of knocking on wood, biting my tongue here because I'm a little nervous saying that because I don't know how sustained that success is going to be. But he looked pretty good. Hui showed that he can play every champion known to mankind by pulling out this random mid lane kindred that I don't think was awful, but I don't think was amazing. But that's what you're going to get from Hui in a way that you can never get that from Pobelter. Hui doesn't only play for champions, and he doesn't only play one style. He plays assassins, he plays control mages, he plays marksmen apparently, he plays late-scaling champions like Rise, he plays early-game aggressive champions like LeBlanc. Like, the depth of his champion pool knows no bounds. He will be the most likely person in North America to pull out an AP mid lane Tom Kench. I tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't think that you compare him to Faker at all because of the depth of his champion pool. I think he's still very raw, and I think he's a very safe laner. Uh, but I'm very excited to see what he gets to do, and he will be the person with the most champions played in the NA Spring Split. I'd put money on it if there's a crazy prop bet for that unicorn. Let's do it. I'd put money on Hui for it. First of all, Enough Unicorn, said. please make that prop bet. I think we came up with a lot of really good joke prop bets uh, for for Unicorn. Like the uh, the over-under on how many games Mark Cuban had played going into the tournament. I would have loved to yes. see that line. I would have loved to see the over-under on number of technical delays. Um, <laughs> just because I could have just bet the over and guaranteed myself some return there. Uh, I, I will say this. Uh, two things. One... Uh, X Smithy when he was on Vulcan making it to Worlds. Let's not sully. You know, as someone who has experienced my team changing names and then having it horribly go wrong, we need to give the correct name the credit that it deserves. There, X-D-G. I would. I would love to see Vulcan X Smithy. I would not like to see XDG X Smithy all that much. And second, Wait, the, carry? the thing. The thing about oh god, <laughs> help us all. Uh, who he? The thing that people need to remember is, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little bit of a weird analogy here. It's like. You know, the argument that people make about Skyrim when they talk about whether it's a good game or not. He has a lot of breadth. I wouldn't use depth as a way to define him. Uh, the breadth is there. He has a whole bunch of different things that he can, all, that he can do, and he could do all of them. 
But he doesn't do any one of them particularly well or with any real complexity. He's a jack of all trades. He is a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And yeah. that's that's something that can be fixed. And this is why people people got really down on who he in the, the post-game things. Like, oh, we need Poe Belter back. We need Poe Belter. No, we don't. Poe Belter, we know exactly what he is. And what he is is an okay mid laner. Who he can grow into something really cool. Because we know that he's capable of a lot of things. And if you could focus that and be like, look, I'm glad you have these pocket stuff. But let's do these few things really well first. And then we'll focus on everything else. He can become amazing. Like, he has a chance to really develop into something. Because a lot of players, it's the opposite, right? You get guys like Sohuan, you know, he's kind of known as, you know, a Riven one-trick pony. So you ban out the Riven and suddenly he's not as useful. You can't do that against Huhi. That's great. That's an asset. Now you need to expand what he can do and make that those things better. That's a fixable thing. Stixay needs some work. I would not be surprised if Stixay is not the starting 80 carry. When they begin Whoa. the season, I'm, I, okay. look. Free agency's not over yet. I don't. I, I, why are Why are we pretending like it is? I, as As much as I didn't think Stixay did anything up until like the last two games against Orion, I don't think he did anything that was spectacular. Anything that made me go, "Yep, this guy is going to be better than Apollo." Okay, I, I don't. I don't say this as a disparaging comment to Stixay. I'm sure Stixay could become a pretty solid AD carry. I don't think he's yes. going to be great, but I think he could be good. But if your CLG and a better AD carry appears in the market, because, you know, there are rumors that, you know, maybe Huni wants to switch to AD carry, there, there are some things out there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be convinced that I have to lock into Stixay. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you get rid of him. Huni is not, I, okay, so Huni is not going to AD carry. So on the market that I can think of as AD carries in North America. I sign Wild Turtle. Wild Turtle, don't mash me, Nien. From Maple Street. I take half of those guys if I can get them at a decent price. It depends on you the. You take half of that and stick say. Out of those five, who would you rather be your starting 80 carry day one? I take Wild Turtle, I take Mash Me. Ugh. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't Ugh. feel great about it, but I don't feel great about going in with Stick Say either. At that point, I just take from Maple Street and go, hey, maybe I'll be the fifth best team in North America. <laughs> And then oh, if we go oh, to relegations, Maple. I won't get relegated because Maple Street is the gar- gatekeeper, like Chris. It's it's in play. God, I I don't know. Maybe. And yeah, then and then Aframu was like Aframu was okay. He still felt off to me. Yeah, he he needs some time to build up synergy with a new A to carry. I will say, if the argument to keep Stixa is well, Aframu can practice with him now, and they can become some you know, whatever their new nickname is going to be like Rush Hour was before, then sure, keep Stixa. I'm a, like, I'm not anti-Stixa. I just think that if, if the opportunity presents itself and the money's right, I would not hold back. I didn't see enough from Stixa to say, we can lock that in. I saw enough from Huhi to lock it in. I did not see enough from, uh, from Stixa. Oh. But, but I mean, I, I saw enough from Stixa to, to lock it in. That's fine. We, you and, and just I... play, around, play around the core of uh, Mythy... Ex-Smithy, uh, Darshan, and Aframu. You're, and you're playing around a core that guys. involves Ex-Smithy. That's all. That's, I, do you feel you good about that? You don't understand how much like bile came up from my stomach <laughs> that I had to like choke down saying that. That's like me saying Cortez is a good jungler. And oh, I man. never uttered that word other than to say, as a comparison, that's like me calling Cortez a good jungler. <laughs> I still remember the one time in which he played well in a series, and it really hurt you physically, though, I admit it. It was great. I um, was actually sick after saying that, just so you know. We uh, we need to move on, because there are two more things we want to talk about. <laughs> to our about. champions! Yeah, Origin. Turns Origin. out, turns out that when you have a team that got third place in Worlds like a month ago, and then Most you second. improve in the mid laner, you end up doing pretty well. Improve in the mid lane and as a coach, Coach Peke. Oh, God. Herman is so mad at you right now. Herman might actually listen to the show, so I don't know if that, uh, that, that is not nice. Hermit, Hermit, the Coach Peke remark was a joke. Please take it as such. <laughs> Please take it as such. That oh, was man. a joke. No, no, of course. it's. But it is, I mean, I will say this. This team was by far the most prepared for this tournament. Oh, I don't oh, think it's particularly I close. Called, I called the Cassiopeia against TSM. Just want to say that right now. I called the Cassiopeia against Sam. Do you think that was a, just a mental thing where they just said to themselves, like, the last thing TSM wants to see? Like, could you imagine, like, Bjergsen sees that and just starts rolling his eyes like, oh, this crap again. 
like, oh god, I don't like this is the last thing I needed right now. Because I just know Twitch chat is blowing up with memes and I have to live with that. Tilt it's uh it's beautiful. I I will say this. Origin just I mean, they played like the team they were worlds. They played against objectives, non-dragon objectives, really well. And they understood that they didn't really have to worry about dragon because they picked compositions that didn't need dragon to have the late game scaling they had you know either a cassadin for some split pushing power or they would give themselves the tristana for great split pushing you know they just had a lot of options and clg i mean they're a young team they they still have a lot to learn they still need to hammer out their shot calling and who's going to do what when and origin just it was like a it was like a surgeon with a like a you know when he's going in with a scalpel just perfectly cut tactical decisions time and time again and we're to the point where it almost feels like like there's nothing new to say about them like the reason we went on and on about clg and tsm is because there's a lot in the air in exciting ways and mm-hmm. where they go and what's going to happen well you know that's worth talking about we know what origin's going to be they're going to be really good they're probably the best team in europe right now I mean, uh, we, we, yeah. haven't, we haven't seen what fanatic's going to do but i feel Pretty confident with how people Fnatic, playing like that. Like unless Fnatic pulls together like Cabo Shard and I don't even know what jungler you'd bring in. Okay, man. Uh, I, I think Gilius is available for the right price. No. <laughs> no. I won't even take that as a joke. No. <laughs> I'm actually trying to be serious here and putting together a very good Fnatic. No, roster. I know, but I don't know. Like, what junglers do you go for? Like, if Kire is getting signed and dragged to North America. Like, who's left? Yeah, I mean, I guess you... Well, I mean, the answer is Chaser, right? Shook. That's the rumor that's going around. Oh, is that it would be Chaser to Fnatic. Which Ugh. is based off of one joke tweet. So that's Chaser going to Fnatic. Then you'd have to have a Korean top laner. You wouldn't go... You'd have to go double Korean. You wouldn't go single Korean. We've yeah. re- we figured out that going single Korean does not work. Well, note how Trace also didn't play in this series at all. Even though Trace has been their top laner for forever. That's because they're replacing Chase, Trace with Shawan. Right, but now that means Trace and Chaser are available and oh, have played God. together Please before. Please don't turn Fnatic into European Jyn'Air. Nothing <laughs> would make me sadder. I'm a Jyn'Air fan. Like, really? that's actually That's actually the Korean team that, like, if I'm not rooting for SKT just because of Faker, I'm rooting for Jyn'Air. I'm a Jyn'Air fan. I'll, I'll put it out there. I am, I am a Jyn'Air fan. That was the team I chose when I started watching Korea because I am a Buffalo Bills fan. So I just like being a middle of the pack, heartbreaking team. That's just that's my life. Yeah, well, I chose CJ Antis, so I can't really give you any crap for it. <laughs> like, really, we both made some pretty terrible decisions as a whole. Unless you chose TSM, though, you've got some reason to be happy pretty much constantly. I uh, I went with Team Dynamic and I went with Rocket. It's been it's been a great. Oh, and Invictus. Don't forget Invictus losing to uh losing three one in the Demacia Cup Finals. I haven't forgotten. And then Winter Fox. How did we convince you to go to Winter Fox? Because we forgot that Brian Cordry was in play. That's that's uh, basically how that went down. It's like, oh, I, I like Pobelter and Altec so much. And then I remembered Brian Cordry. I'm like, oh, no. So so is this is this the moment that we remember that Soaz is so underrated? He, he's been so underrated, he gets to the point where he's overrated? He might be But I feel like that's always the discussion about him is, oh, Soaz is an underrated top laner. Soaz is an underrated top laner. Like, he played five different top laners in five different games, which, surprise, so as his champion pool has always been humongous. He even plays Maokai, he just doesn't like playing Maokai. Right. Maokai is the quintessential top laner. He had a 5.60 KDA. I. He's really good. He reached reached the flame horizon in 15 minutes. Yeah, that was insane. Like, I, I gotta say, I've never seen the flame horizon sub 18 minutes before in my life. Yeah. It, it, well, maybe Flame like way back in season two, maybe early season yeah. three. But that's oh, Flame, flame that's when the, Flame Horizon became a statement. Yeah, but I've not. I can't remember it that early. Like I, I remember in the twenty twenty five minute mark. I don't remember it at seventeen thirty. That was insane. And and you know what? Like this is the thing about Soaz, right? People always have a hard time rating him because the games that Soaz plays that are terrible are, are really games. Yeah, they, they're they're momentum games, and they stand out because it's really bad. It's it's the zero eight one game that he had at, in the group stage of Worlds. You know, yeah. like when it's bad, it's really bad. But when it's good, like he's one of the best top laners. I'd go so far as to say top ten in the world. 
Like, he's really, really good at top lane. And yes. in a region that doesn't necessarily have a ton of top lane talent all the here, time. Here, here are Soaz's stat lines. First game against TSM, 11-1-8. and eight. Second game against TSM on Riven. Uh, first game was Rumble. Second game, Riven. 8-4-6. and six. First game against Darshan and CLG. Gangplank, 4-3-9. and nine. Not, you know, not fantastic. Uh, the Malphite game in game two against CLG. 0-0-5. Zero, zero uh, that was the Malphite game. And then the last game when he plays Vladimir, 1-2-4. and four. So statistically, his lines got worse, but he... Had a uh, he had a CS lead in every single one of the games. Yeah, and more he, importantly, he outplayed the top laner CS wise every single game. And more importantly, his split pushes were perfect. Yes. I mean, he was out. He was playing the same way that Darshan had played to get CLG this far, yes. and doing it more efficiently, which yes. was kind of insane given how good of a tournament Darshan had had at this point. Look, Origin's really good. I think they're the favorites to win Europe. Uh, I can't wait to see what Power of Evil looks like after two months of practice with the team. Remember, he's only been there for like a week. And they let him play as Cassiopeia. They made sure he felt comfortable, but yep. he, he's going to get better from here. Cassiopeia, Oriana, Kassadin. Late scaling. Uh, other uh, Late scaling control mages. Even though Kassadin's kind of an assassin, I'm. he plays more like a control mage during laning phase than an assassin. Using the, the Q and the, the W. Right? W is the force pulse? No, yeah. E. Uh, well, either way, e is the force, force pulse. pulse. Yeah. Using the, wa- the wave. The, the, the five spell stack wave like that's how you that's more so how you play him so i think that fits in his wheelhouse i want to see him play assassins when the meta shifts to assassins because i'm not sure if his assassins are up to snuff well that's they can always play expeke for that that's the brilliance of the of the two mid laner system because we know expeke yeah but the two mid laner system isn't being put in play the two mid laner system here is doing two things one to make josh raven look like and daily dot look like an idiot and yes. to to ease Power of Evil into this you know prominent shot calling role that he needs to have, and I would not be surprised if so as if they if Power of Evil becomes full time mid laner in summer season and they bring in a second top laner behind Soaz. That's how I think that their progression is going to work this split. Not that Soaz is retiring at the end of the spring split, but I think summer split, they bring in a second top laner if they can find someone in Europe or North America that's decent. I would also not be surprised by this. Though I would also not be surprised if Xpeke makes sure that he plays at least a game or two, because I think he genuinely just loves playing. We'll see. Uh, It depends on how I think their coach search goes. I would not be surprised if they struggle to find a coach that that they really like. If Xpeke just says, oh, I'll coach. Why not? What's yep. the worst that could happen? Uh, two minutes, really quick, because this, this has gone to on too about, long. Anything to say about Niels Mithy are amazing, other than... That Niels and Mithy are amazing? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think that's fair. I agree Niels with that Mithy point. and Mithy are amazing, and amazing is amazing. Okay, the, yeah. there we go. <laughs> I mean, Niels is really good. Like, he yeah. played Kindred like it was Callista and no one noticed. Like, literally to the point where uh, <laughs> Tesfa, however you say his name, literally said Callista the entire game because it might as well have been. I don't yeah. know what else you say to that. Like, Niels is one of the best Callista players in the world, and he played Kindred like it was the same champion and nothing changed. Yep. That's kind of insane. And he played his Sivir. I love watching Niels' Sivir. Yeah, it's really good. And I'm yep. sure uh, Kelsey Moser really appreciated that as well. Just a Sivir comp. Just a Sivir comp. We've got two minutes on this because we've already gone too long. We already mentioned uh, Huni and Rainover are indeed gone. Fnatic announced that officially today. Uh, Reckless did a VOD explaining that Europe is paying uh, often three times less money than North America or Korea are. Uh, we think about the fact that Korea lost all these players because they weren't getting paid enough, and Europe is paying less than that. Suddenly, a lot of these Europeans going to North America makes a lot more sense. Walter, is this a concern for you going forward with the European scene? Because right now, Europe is, you know, by all accounts, the second strongest region, but the incentives to stay there are getting smaller and smaller. What? How concerned are you? I mean, Europe doesn't have to provide high enough incentives because they have such a deep chat talent pool. Like, I think eventually, like, probably maybe this season, we'll finally see it, you know, 
kind of uh, take a hit because we've seen a bunch of challenger level players go to we see two challenger level players go to Dignitas. Uh, we almost saw Steelbeck stay in North America on a challenger team, but he instead goes back to an LCS team with Unicorns of Love. Uh, there's still some guys like Pinoy that are sitting out there. There's obviously Forgiven and Freeze aren't sitting on teams. Uh, if a guy like Youngbuck wants to come back, they you still have a bunch of talent, quote unquote talent. Uh, kind of sitting around doing nothing that'll probably be dispersed onto some of these teams and onto some of the challenger teams. But just, I think Europe breeds talent better because of something that Thorin touched in when he talked about uh, Lust Boy's vlog about his time in America and about how North America doesn't take solo queue seriously, where Korea takes it super, super seriously. Mm-hmm. Like being number one on the on the Korean ladder means something to everyone. You know, being top 10 on the Korean ladder and not being on a team means you'll probably get a tryout for a team. I think Europe takes solo queue more, not as seriously as like China or Korea, but they take it a little bit more seriously than, than North America. And I think that helps kind of breed more talented players. I think we'll probably see a rookie 80 carry or mid laner on on some team kind of surprise us uh it probably will be Senkux on on uh follow esports will probably be like the mid lane rookie that goes up oh, yep europe just breeds mid laners yeah. like here we go but i wouldn't be surprised if in the challenger scene or even uh you know one of these replacements on maybe h2k or something we see a couple young players like come out of nowhere come out of like you know european solo queue or uh or, you know, maybe a, a lower tier challenger team and, and really give us a surprise. Uh, so it sucks that they're leaving because they really looked good all of last year. But I have heard one potential player could be Impaler to replace Rainover. Ooh. And that one is interesting to me. You know how it's I feel very, about Impaler needing a fair shake. Like, I'm a yeah. big Impaler guy. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know, but he's been one name that I've heard from a couple people that uh, Fnatic and a couple other LCS teams are interested in. We're going to see. There's still a lot of free agency left to go. Uh, I will say just, you know, the thing, you know, they get lucky in Europe that these regional rivalries are kind of enough to propel a lot of players forward in and of themselves. They've got a lot of different countries in there, a lot of which Mm -hmm. have pride of being the best or being better than insert name of other country here. And sometimes that can be a negative. But as far as creating a very competitive ecosystem, it does help. These regional metas that kind of form and all these different regional tournaments that sprout up, it has created talent. But they need to find a way to monetize it. They need to find a way to get sponsors. And I refuse to believe that a team as successful as Fnatic across multiple esports should be having this hard of a time getting sponsors. Because if you look at the list of sponsors that they have, and the list of sponsors that TSM or Cloud9 or CLG or any of these other North American organizations have, it's staggering. And they have their n- own peripheral brand. But for- it's not nearly the <laughs> same size of brands or the same money that those deals are worth. Yeah. And they shouldn't be struggling that hard to find them because I can tell you, I've, I've been to Germany. I will be living in Germany, at least partially, pretty shortly. There's no shortage of tech companies that people could be reaching out towards that would probably go on board with this. I don't, I don't have a natural explanation as to why Europe is struggling this hard. I understand North America maybe moves a little bit more quickly on these things, but it shouldn't be this hard this far in, especially for organizations like Fnatic that have just been I'll, so provably successful across the board. I'll say the difference, though, is that in North, there are a lot more uh, – they're called angel investors – in North America than mm-hmm. Europe. And basically angel investors are large, large groups that they basically pool all their money. to. It's basically like the Lincoln Park, the, the, the Immortals thing, where it's a group of people all get together, pool their money into a, into a company, give that company a name, and then go invest in something. It's the same group. It's like the same way that Mark Cuban and his investment group invested in Unicorn. Like things like that, that mm-hmm. doesn't happen as often in Europe. That's really way more prevalent in North America. So yes, a team like Fnatic should have all this, you know, cash built up that they should be able to pay their players. But for a smaller organization like H2K, uh, it doesn't surprise me that they don't have the capital to try and retain, you know, these really, really high tier players when it comes to, uh, you know, them leaving for North America or China or even Korea, I guess. Uh, yeah. You know, it's realistically. Gonna- 
it's going to be a difficult, uh, difficult situation to navigate through. But Europe's going to have to find a way, or they're going to quickly find themselves uh, having some issues as far as retaining some of this talent. Uh, that's enough for us. Uh, we've gone on far longer than I thought we were going to. <laughs> Uh, we had that giant Apollo rant that really took away from some things, but hopefully you guys weren't as entertained by it as we were having it. Uh, Walter, anything you'd like to plug on your way out? I not really. There's not much for me. Maybe be on the lookout for some for some content coming in the next month or so. We'll see. Yeah, we'll I was, see. I hope to get something out. Yeah, you've been uh, you've been doing a lot of research on the Smite regionals and everything. Yes. So I'm sure we'll hear something about that at some point. Oh, Maybe. oh we'll, have, we'll have some conversations about that. We'll it's, have some posts. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Where can people find you on social media? You can find me at C-A-D-E-S underscore L-O-L. That is at C-E-A-D-E-S underscore L-O-L. And you can find me at Redshirt King. Uh, obviously, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. Give us a review. It means a lot. Uh, you can find us on iTunes at the Esports Gambling Hour. We're probably going to change that soon. But until then, that's where to find us. Enjoy it. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Uh, so if you leave a review there or you find either of us on social media, we love talking to you guys. You can also uh, find us on SoundCloud.com slash Esports Gambling Hour if you're the kind of person that wants these things right away as soon as they're updated. Uh, and the other place you really should find us is at Unicorn.com slash community. There are tons of great people. Xenon uh, writes about Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Tim Sevenhusen, who we had on our preview pod for I Am San Jose, is constantly writing articles over there. There's a great article he had on uh, on Power of Evil and Xpeke and how that two-headed system might work if indeed they're going to execute it the same way that other teams have executed that in the past. A lot of great reads over there. You should definitely check it out and have fun with Unicorn stuff because if you guys didn't listen to our uh, our whole thing about Worlds, the Unicorn Challenge, you totally should. And it was a blast, and I highly recommend it to anyone involved. Get a friend in, uh, get some bragging rights on the line. It's, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Until next time, goodbye, Internet.